Welcome everyone to the Agents of Game podcast. I'm Dave Martin, and this episode we have a special treat as we interview Dan Pinchbeck from the Chinese Room, creators of several innovative games, including Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and Dear Esther Landmark Edition, which will be released next week, September 20th, on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Before we start, I also wanted to say how thankful I am that Dan was willing to take the time out of his schedule for an interview the week before a game comes out. It's always a crazy time, and I appreciate his sacrifice tremendously. Because of the crunch, the interview is a bit non-traditional, and we ended up having to splice a few things together to make it work all right, so if it sounds a little bit unusual, that's why. Um, again, I appreciate their time, and let's get right to it. Again, special thanks to our guest, Dan Pinchbeck. Welcome to the Agents of Game podcast. Hey, this is Dan recording answers for Agents of Game questions. Hello. Dear Esther has received widespread praise, with many enthusiastically commending you for the originality and the unique style of Dear Esther. How would you describe the game? Um, I describe the game as a... That's a good question. Um, It's a a first-person, story-driven game. Um, Some call them walking simulators. I guess it's a ghost story. Um, It's a game about love, loss and redemption. It's a story-driven experience um, or a first-person game, I guess. It's It's a bit of a tough one to sort of describe. How did the development of Dear Esther begin and how did it evolve from the original concept to what it is today? Um, it, so it started off in 2007 as a Half-Life 2 mod. Um, we were interested in a couple of ideas. There was a lot of um, talk about the relative importance of story and gameplay in games. Um, I was working as an academic at the time and there was an awful lot of theory. And we kind of thought, do you know what? Uh, you can kind of theorise about this all you like, or you can just build it and see if it works. So we thought, well, what if we take a game, if we take all the gameplay out of it and just leave the story, is that something that will still engage players? And there really wasn't much more to it than that, apart from just trying to answer that kind of question, whether or not you could have a story which was kind of contradictory and semi-randomised and very poetic and all those things. And it launched onto ModDB in 2007, and the community really, really adopted it and loved it and championed it. And that kind of made it feel like there was definitely something there that could be taken forwards into a commercial game. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it kind of just came from us being interested in whether or not something would work. Um, and we kind of had a hunch it would do, going off the design history of, of first-person shooters, which, you know, we're really, really into. Um, but it felt like those kind of quiet moments, which worked really, really well in a lot of those games, like System Shock, even sort of like Deus Ex, I mean, even Doom, to be honest with you, um, if those could be expanded out to a full game experience, that, that felt like something that was worth pursuing and worth being interested in. Now, this is very different from a lot of games. Uh, were you worried about people's reaction to the pacing and style of the game? Um, did you intend to be challenging gamers' expectations or something else? Um, okay, were we worried about people reacting to the pacing and style of the game? challenging expectations or something else no we never set out to make any kind of statement with esther there was no we're going to prove anything there was no we're going to challenge games or we're going to try and force them to something else or we've got some kind of agenda about what games should be it really came from a group of people that loved first person shooters going look there's this really really interesting kind of area in fps design which is underexplored we think if you made something in that space it would be pretty good so we're going to give it a shot and really there wasn't much more to it than that apart from you know a real passion for what we were doing um and a real commitment saying this has to be you know we have to get drive up the quality in terms of music art audio voice script as high as we can um but that all comes from a sort of a a love of games really i don't think there was any 
kind of certainly no agenda to challenge people. And to be honest with you, you know, the, the commercial version of Esther and everything else would never have happened if the Half-Life 2 modding community hadn't got behind it so much and supported it so much. So we kind of felt very much like we had the support of, of, of kind of the gaming community when we went forwards. And I think because we're gamers as well, you know, this is not like it's non-gamers making games for gamers. We're, we're, you know, I've been a gamer for my whole life, like, you know, three and a half decades, you know, I've been playing games for so I was old enough to put a joystick in my hand. Um, so, yeah, it was just, we just wanted to make something good and make something that people would enjoy. What would you hope people understand before they begin their journey through Dear Esther? Nothing. The game should stand on its own. I think you don't have to be some sort of like go through some sort of intellectual or theoretical or philosophical process in order to get the game it's a game just pick it up and enjoy it and hopefully it'll, it'll speak to you the way it's speaking spoken to you know sort of hundreds of thousands of other people and that's all we really can hope for as a developer you're just trying to make something good that you hope people can kind of relate to and enjoy so yeah just start playing it so stranger things what are your thoughts on the show and what do you hope we'll see out of season two Stranger Things, ah, oh, Stranger Things. Um, seeing Dungeons and Dragons on TV, definitely. Um, it was great, kind of actually seeing that back on there. This was uh, kind of a total, huge, huge, huge part of my adolescence and growing up. So anything that kind of relies on that, I think it was really, really interesting seeing how much Silent Hill was in there as well. I really enjoyed that. I love Silent Hill so much, and it kind of felt like a really nice homage to that. Um, um, people need to let Barb go. There's, there's a Dino. Um, it's, it's tragic what happened to Barb, but you know, Barb's gone. Let it go. There'll always be someone else. Aside from graphical improvements, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the extra features this release will contain? Um, there's a director's commentary. So really, actually, it's a it's a sort of a loving recreation of what's already there. Um, it isn't massively kind of like change or anything like that. What we wanted to do is we wanted to bring the game, which so many people have loved, to a whole new... Um, kind of bunch of people to, to kind of console gamers we wanted to kind of let the experience be something they could um engage with as well so rather than doing a completely new version of the game we wanted to basically just make the game which exists available so the game is as is it's it's, it's kind of it's a it's a loving recreation of the 2012 version um but you've got a director's commentary on the consoles which was the first time that jess and rob and i had got together it's really since the game release i think it was the first time that we'd physically been in the same country as each other and it was really great to be able to sit down and sort of talk about the game as a group and and kind of yeah it was really interesting doing that in terms of finding out things that, that the others thought about the game, that, that all of us were kind of had moments where we went, oh, right, I didn't know that about how you thought about it, which was really cool. So that's been, that's really good. I really hope people enjoy that. On paper, it seems that the narrative of Dear Esther is fairly straightforward, yet so many have said that the story improves with a second and third playthrough, and that fresh details pop out that went unnoticed or unappreciated earlier. How did you achieve that? Um, replayability... Um, yeah, so so each time you hit a narrative queue in Esther, it randomly pulls one of four story units out. So there's a huge number of combinations of stories you can get. And there's also randomised props in terms of that add different kind of aspects to storytelling. And that was definitely part of what we wanted to do with the original mod, was to have something that would constantly change. And just the idea that two people could play the same game and then kind of come down and have completely different readings and understandings of it. So depending on which random series of cues you get, you might have completely different interpretations to the story. And we wanted it to be something that was really open and that was really down to you as a player to kind of write the story alongside the game because you'd have all these connections that we had no way of controlling. So that was really, that's kind of a really big important part of it, that it's a, 
it's not just sitting down and having a story with one possible interpretation just kind of pushed down a pipe at you. It's about how you engage with what's going on and it's about the randomness of what parts of the story you get and that means that it's really your experience every time you do it. So it is something that it does really hold up to going back and back and back to the island because those new connections and those new bits of information kind of are always going to come out of it. It makes it an absolute nightmare to, uh, to, to, to QA because you, you've got to, you don't know if you're seeing something. If you're not seeing it because it's not there or you're not seeing it because uh, it just hasn't spawned this time around. But I really like that about the game. I think it makes it much more than just a, a it's not just a kind of a linear walk down a corridor where the same thing happens all the time. It's got quite a lot more depth to it than that. Yeah, um, it took a lot of planning. Um, it was, you know, we, we wrote it, wrote a lot of pieces. I think the actual story, I kind of sat down and, and wrote probably in, in sort of three days, the original draft. I've been working on the game for quite a long time before, and so it was kind of buzzing around my head. So wrote all of this stuff out and then spent probably a couple of months just sort of balancing it and playing these bits and pieces off against each other until it felt sort of right. And, you know, there's a lot of intuition in that. There's a lot of just, you kind of, you get the feeling when you go, right, okay, now it's, in, it's right. It feels like it's the right thing to have done. The music for this and the rest of your games is outstanding. Jessica Curry has managed to provide a very distinct quality to each of the different titles you've released. Could you talk a little bit about how she sets the tone for this and other titles? Um, music is outstanding. Yes, it is. Um, I think Jessie's one of the best, if not the, well, for me, I mean, I'm you know slightly biased, but I think there's no question that she's one of the best composers working in games today without any question at all. I think she's extraordinary. I think... It, there's obviously it helps a great deal that she's integrated in every aspect of the development you know she's not just the composer she's also creative lead on the projects so she knows these games as well as anyone and she probably is the strongest force in the studio in terms of being uncompromising and driving quality up and just like demanding excellence in everything that goes into the games um so on those kind of levels it's, it's no surprise the music is, is as good as it is and then partially it is just she has a um a way of using music to speak sort of to the heart and to create emotional landscapes with music. There's just something that's really quite rare. I mean, she's just an exceptional composer. Um, and there is a, you know, a long process of exploration, like there is for forever on the team, of really kind of getting to know the game and just always saying, wherever you are, there's always somewhere you can get to that's just slightly better. And it's just about that constant kind of pushing up of going this, but just a little bit, this, but just a little bit. And I think that's just who Jess is. And that's why her music's so great, because she's always striving for the, the, it to be the best possible thing it can be. Good enough is never good enough, she always says. There's no such thing as good enough. There's only excellence. In addition to Dear Esther, uh, Amnesia, Machine for Pigs, and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, you're also working on a pair of new games. What can you tell us about Total Dark, and can we get any hints about your unannounced project? Um, no hints on the unannounced project um, at the moment, but hopefully that'll be something that we will be talking about fairly soon. Um, Total Dark is, yeah, it's Total Dark's great. Total Dark is, has gone through a lot of different transformations. It started off as a board game. Um, it was a procedural survival horror for a while. It had kind of crafting and survival crafting elements. It's been a third-person action adventure, and it's been sort of like this this thing where we've We've got this core set of mechanics and rules and, and just kind of just having the time to explore and go, that doesn't feel quite right. What if we just change it in this direction? What if we change it in that direction? We'd like to do a lot of iteration as a team, especially a lot of early prototyping iteration. So Prowl Dark's just been, it's been sort of running, being its thing for a few months now. It's starting to settle down into 
um, a really good core game that we we can start building on. Um, and at the same time, we've been working on the the kind of the the world and the mythos. And doing an RPG is great because you get to go really deep into things like mythos and backstory and world history and all of those things. And um, yeah, it's a it's a huge amount of fun. We absolutely love it. So. Um, there's not much more information at the moment, um, apart from you know the sort of stuff that we've already said. It, it's set on a pocket universe, 19 inches across, and it's also simultaneously set in um, on the Isle of Anglesey in North Wales. And uh, yeah, um, if that's not mysterious enough for everyone, it's going to be a little bit longer before we start putting any more details out there. But it's going to be a good one. We're really, really excited about it. Uh, you, you've mentioned quite a few games as we've talked here. Uh, what were your favourite games as a kid? played a lot of um, paper-based RPGs when I was growing up, so there's a lot of Call of Cthulhu, Paranoia, um, Warhammer 40k, Shadowrun, Battletech. Um, I think uh, in terms of computer games, I was a, a ZX Spectrum kid I kind of cut my teeth on, so I loved things like um, Attic Attack and Jet Set Willy and stuff like that. The games which really, really, really kind of I think are the most formative in terms of as a uh, designer now um, first-person shooters I mean Doom changed my life when I first played it there's no question about it it's a lifelong passion for, for first-person shooters after that Half-Life Deus Ex System Shock but also games like the early Tomb Raider titles Shadow of the Colossus um, uh, Soul Reaver anything by, by basically by Amy Hennig pretty much goes up there um, Things that have either that amazing sense of immediacy and pace and urgency that you get from a first-person shooter or that incredibly strong sense of world um, that I guess was kind of a lot of those adventure titles and survival horror titles like the early Resident Evils and Silent Hills from the sort of PS1 era. Um, anything that I can like throw myself into a world and really feel like I'm in that world to me is, is, is pretty much what I love. And that's definitely driven in terms of what I have always wanted to do as a designer is to spin worlds and to... For me, that's the most exciting thing about games. What kind of TV programs inspired you? Um, really into, I mean, probably from a more from a character point of view. Um, and, you know, Jess and I watch a lot of, of character-driven dramas as well. I think more for me than film, I'm interested in, in, in TV drama in terms of the way that they deal with character and world. So recent things that have been really, really important have been Bloodlines was absolutely extraordinary. It's amazing. One of the, the best TV dramas of recent years. Um and Carl Chandler also in um, with, with Connie Britton in Friday Night Lights, I think was just one of the most amazing pieces of TV of recent years. Um, we've really been watching a lot of things like in, in terms of UK stuff like kind of Happy Valley or Hinterland or Shetland, stuff which is really, really character-driven, which is just about saying, less about saying we have to have these huge, epic, incredible plots that have to be just build up and become these extraordinary complex things. More about taking a set of really well-drawn, really well-written and well-acted characters and kind of letting them just kind of unfold with the stories, which I think those kind of dramas were really kind of like the high watermarks of those, are things like The Sopranos or Six Feet Under. Um, so yeah, pretty much anything character-driven is, is, is usually um, pretty high on our kind of hit list. Again, thank you so much for your time, especially as you have a new game coming out. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to discuss that we haven't brought up yet? Oh, um, there's a few tickets left for the Dear Esther Barbican event in London um, in October. So if anyone is still interested, I think literally there's a handful of tickets left. And it's quite extraordinary to have kind of sold out a 600-seat concert hall at the Barbican um, for a live performance of Esther, which is amazing, which is bringing together a lot of the original musicians, 
Um, it's got um, the voice actor will be Ollie Dimsdale, who is Stephen, and everybody's gone to the Rapture, which is fantastic. Um, the singer is going to be um, the the lead from Machine for Pigs, which is really amazing as well. So it kind of feels like we're really getting the gang together for this, and it's going to be a going to be an amazing night. So I recommend it to anyone who can be there and wants to get tickets get a ticket now because it's selling out um but yeah no we're having loads of fun over here it's, it's really good to be working on new stuff and um we're looking forward to announcing things and uh letting you all know a bit more about it okay cool thanks for apologies for it being an audio it means i've been walking around answering these questions whilst doing other stuff because it's a bit mental here at the moment so i hope that's okay and no problem at all any other questions get back to us give us a shout and we'll um do our best to answer them all right cheers thanks guys bye-bye on behalf of myself and the rest of the Agents of Game, I want to thank Dan Pinchbeck for his time. Again, Dear Esther Landmark Edition launches September 20th on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. The game is $9.99 and is already available for pre-download on PS4. Also, keep a lookout for Total Dark and other announcements coming from the Chinese Room. Thanks for listening in, and be excellent to each other.